This podcast is presented to you by High Desert Word Center in Barstow, California. For more information, visit hdwc.org. We're going to be teaching today about the language of faith. And I don't want our church just to be some religious church that says we believe the Bible, we love God. I want our church to continue to be a church to where Jesus isn't just the Bible we talk about, but Jesus is somebody that comes into our church every time we come in and does miracles. And I think about that song we're singing, and I was just praying about, Lord, I know there's something there we need to talk about. What is it? And I began to think about our church over the years, about things I've seen Jesus come in this church do and change people's lives forever. And uh, I think about Jesse Montenegro first. And, and uh, Jesse wasn't always a church man. He used to be a gangster. He used to carry guns. He used to shoot and get shot. Now, you were, in how many shootouts? Six or seven? Six shootouts this guy's involved with. And his insides was full of scar tissue from all the bullets he had in him. And probably about two years ago, wasn't it, when you got your miracle? Two years ago, on a Wednesday night, this guy come up to the prayer line. And I was talking about Jesus would heal you of anything. Didn't make any difference. How it was caused, it could have been from your sin. It could have been things that just happened, could have been born with it. Jesus wants you healed. He doesn't care how you got it. He wants you healed. And so Jesse come up on a Wednesday night, and he talked about how his insides were all scar tissued together, and his muscles wouldn't work right. And he played on the church softball team. He played on the uh, men's league softball team at the ballpark. And he had a hard time running any farther than second base that would, because of the pain and things like that. They said, Pastor, you said that Jesus healed anything. He said, I think my inside's healed because these bullets messed me up. So I laid hands on him, and I prayed that night. And I think it was two weeks later, one or two weeks later, we were at the ballpark, and Jesse got his hit. He went red, and he ran all the way from home plate, cleared the base, back to home plate. He didn't stop. He ran up to the bleachers, praising Jesus. He said, Hallelujah, Hallelujah, I'm healed, I'm healed. But he said that he said that night he he said that he testified later on that that night when I prayed for him as he walked to his seat he felt things moving around yeah things moving around and the work began there I'm telling you we're not just a religious church where you come and just okay God I hope you feel better now about me I didn't come this month nah we're talking about a lifestyle we're going to be talking a little bit about the language of faith I've learned I'm not an expert yet. But I've learned to be pretty proficient in the language of faith. And God wants everybody in here to know how to speak that language. How to navigate in two worlds. This one and the one you can't see the faith of reading. He wants you to learn that. Thank you, Jesse. Very good. Now, this couple right here has got a son named Jeff. And I, uh, we've had so many miracles in this church. A lot of you have had them and things like that. But Jeff was about 30 years old when he got his. 30, I think 30, 31, 30, 30 years old. And so anyway, I was teaching on a Sunday morning about healing, talking about healing. And we had another man in our church that had had serious back pain for 28 years. He started coming to the church, said out of the word, we prayed for him. And God healed his back and delivered him for what he'd had for 28 years. He said out of all those 28 years, he didn't have one day without pain. He'd had surgery, chiropractors, doctors, medicine, everything he could do. 
but he could never shake that pain. And so one day he came up and said, Pastor, for what you taught, I believe that Jesus will heal my back. And I said, okay. I said, what do you think he's going to heal it? He said, would you pray he'll heal? I said, yep, he will. And so I prayed. Jesus did. He did. And he come marching out of here and his back was healed. So I was preaching that on a Sunday morning. And then Jeff, their son, came up here. He said, Pastor, if he did it for him, he'll do it for me. I said, okay, Jeff, what's the matter? Was it called curvature of the spine? Scoliosis, curvature of the spine. And so Jeff came up and said he'd never touched his toes in his whole life. Said he had that curvature. And so I told him the same thing. I said, Jeff, when I lay hands on you and pray, I said, what's going to happen? He said, Pastor, I'm going to be healed. I said, well, do you really believe that? You doubt it? No, I'm going to be healed. And so I said, okay. And so I touched Jeff, spoke the name of Jesus we're singing about. I said, Jeff, bend over, touch your toes. And he bent over, touched his toes, and tears started coming in his eyes. I looked over there, and these guys, I think you might have had, had some of your kids with you. I saw tears start flooding the floor. For the first time at 30 years old, standing right here, that man got his healing. So I just want to say this. Today, when I teach this, do me a favor. Do yourself a favor. Turn your goofy phones off. Unless you're looking at the Bible on the phone. Don't look at Facebook, Google, or play games. Because it's not a game. If you don't need miracles in your life, you've got somebody that does. And you can speak the language of faith if you listen today. And so then I want to give the part two to the Jeff story. Jeff came up to me about a year later, maybe two years later. Said the copies at their house had a place where the kids always every year they get together. They stand there and measure themselves. And so Jeff said... They did their usual measuring that year and said, for some reason, he grew was it one or two inches, one inch? He, he grew an inch. Everybody said, nah, Jeff, you're 30, you're done growing. And they kept measuring and said, nah, you've definitely grown an inch. Then they realized because of this for all those years, his spine straightened up and he straightened up. Amen. And so I'm telling you, I'm telling you, listen today. Do yourself a favor. I always say take notes. Take notes, because I'm going to inject some scriptures into this. It's not in your notes yet. And you're going, to, you're going to see things. And if you'll learn, if you'll learn, I'll tell you what, it's hard to learn Spanish. If you was born in Indiana and never knew any Spanish-speaking people, man, it is tough. And if you've been born into this world, you've been a sinner for years, and now you're a Christian, it's hard to learn the language of faith, but you can learn it. Amen. Thank you, guys. Appreciate you. Amen. Amen. I'll tell you what, that, that's God talking to you. That's God getting your attention. I don't care what you've got, how long you've had it, whether it's a health problem, family problems, financial problems, head problems, whatever it is. When you learn the language of faith, you can change those things. Amen. The name of Jesus. Uh, does anybody need a sermon outline that we hand out at the door? If you need a sermon outline, hold up your hand. The ushers will give you a sermon outline. Yeah, they're getting them out, so keep your hands up till they get them to you. And uh, while they're doing those, let, let me show you a couple things out of the bookstore that will help you in these areas of Christian faith we're talking about. This book here is an excellent book, real simple little book called You Can Have What You Say. You Can Have What You Say. Did you notice that I asked those gentlemen when I prayed for them, I told you about, I said, when is Jesus going to heal you? And they said, now. When did they get healed? Now. Amen. I want to, let, me, let me give you a little, little clue. The Bible teaches faith and the Bible teaches hope. 
Hope doesn't receive. Hope sets you up for faith. Faith receives. Hope, here's the language of hope. You might want to write this down. This might help some of you right now to shift from hope into faith. Hope always says, I'll get it sometime. Hope always says, I know God's going to. Faith says, God's done it now and I've got it. Faith says it's mine now. Hope always keeps it in the future. Faith says, I got it now. Amen. And so if you're just hoping to be healed, then till the day you die, you're still be hoping to be healed. If you're just hoping to get a raise or a bonus or a better job, you're going to keep on hoping. Faith gets you healed. Faith gets the job. Faith puts your family together. Faith changes things. Hope lets you know it's possible. Faith says, I got it. Amen. God wants to help you. So anyway, you can have what you say. And we're going to be talking about the language of faith today. And then here's another good one. And this this is where the body of Christ is in America now. Greater glory, we've got to learn how to hook up with the move of God. We were in Las Vegas this week with a bunch of preachers, pastors, at a conference for a few days. And we all see the same thing. We all know the same thing. I got a newsletter this week from a good ministry partner, Randy Greer. He's been here before. He'll be here again. But Randy Greer's newsletter said the same thing. It's been in my heart. I've been just putting little inklings of it out. I haven't taught on it because I don't know if you can teach on it. It's the move of God. And we're going to hook up with it. How many know that the sin problem and the rebellions in America are about to come to a head? Something's got to bust. God said... It is word multiple times, if individuals and nations don't deal with sin, then he'll have to. How many of your own lives have known that you've ever experienced things where you got dealt with and things and said, wow, I wish I'd take care of that first. And then by the time you repent, if you're still alive, you can get it together and keep on going. Well, America is being dealt with by God right now. And we as the believers in America have a part of what happens to this nation And that's by what we do of our own individual lives with Jesus. What we do as churches that love Jesus and serve Jesus together. But something's going to break loose and I believe it's going to be the glory of God. And so I'm believing that we're going to see God in this nation have revival, evangelism, and pour out His Spirit like we've never seen before. But anyway, those books are in the bookstore. And they'll, they'll really help you to be able to be a better Christian, to be able to walk with God closer, be to impact the world. Well, I look over at Henry over there. And <laughs> Raise your hand, Henry. Henry's one of many young people we have in the church for Lord. How many people were at Roy's the other night when you guys gave me those reports? Raise your hand if you're at Roy's. Back there in the back. Okay. Got to report the men's meeting yesterday. By the way, how many men enjoyed that meeting yesterday? Well, wasn't that awesome? Hey, man, brother, brother Al spoke to us. It was really, really good. But anyway... Uh, we got a report from the young people, went to Roy's, I'm going to say Roy's chicken place, but not the chicken place anymore, is it, what is it now? It's a diner now over here on Main Street. Uh, they've been closed for several years, opened up again. They went there, and in there, they did what Christians are supposed to do. They let their light shine. They fellowshiped, had a good time. How many know that sometimes you go, you go around places where they serve alcohol or something, those people get loud. And they, they share what they're doing. You know, they don't mean to. They're excited. Well, if you're filled with this spirit, the Holy Spirit, you're going to get loud, too. 
So these guys were in their fellowship and having a good time, and it spilled over into the crew that was in the Roy's chicken place diner. How many people did you guys lead to the Lord? Let's pray for several. Two people in there got baptized in the Holy Ghost. (laughs) And things happened. Things happened. Pray for some people to get healed. Healings took place. Baptism of the Holy Ghost. Pray for people's salvation. And a lot of good things happened. I'll tell you what, guys. Let's take the brakes off. Let's take the brakes off. Let's get all that God has in here. And if they're not ashamed to talk about who's winning the ball game out there, if they're not ashamed to talk about the new TV show or the newest fad, whatever it is, if they're not ashamed to talk about what they're excited about, don't hold back a bit ashamed about who you're excited about. Hey, man, that name of Jesus will change lives. And that was so wonderful. I told, I told a couple of these guys yesterday, that might be a one time when a friend of mine and I were down in Houston, Texas. And we started preaching Jesus at a Denny's restaurant at nighttime. And we got so wild that it turned out the manager was a believer. We didn't know that. We just do what we do as Christians, let it flow. And the manager locked the front door and pulled the blinds down so nobody go in or out. And I cannot tell you how many healings, how many feelings, how many everything happened to that restaurant that night. Simple being because two believers were in there, we weren't ashamed. And we let, we let the power of God flow. And I tell you what, the world's a better place because people's lives can get changed in these restaurants by believers. So, praise the Lord. That was free. That's just good thing. What I'm saying is, man, let's not just be church people. Let's be Christians. Amen. <laughs> Hallelujah. All right. And so, uh, we'll start off with Hebrews chapter 11, verse 6. Hebrews chapter 11, verse 6. And... Uh, Pretty much, I'd say for the last, I don't know how many months, every day, every day the Lord burns this verse into my heart, into my thinking. Of course, I've known this verse for <laughs> almost 40 years, uh, lived it, preached it. It's very much a part of me, but all the time the Lord keeps telling me Hebrews 11:6. So we're going to start on Hebrews 11:6 here, and it says this, but without faith... It is impossible to please him. That's talking about God. It says, for he that cometh to God, and I think that's probably everybody in here today is talking about you. So that's talking about me. Now, you guys were awake better than that, man. Don't go back to sleep. How many here have come to God? Okay. Say, that's talking about me. Okay. He that cometh to God must believe that he is, and that he is rewarder of them, that diligently seek him. His rewarder of them that diligently seek him. And it says faith pleases him. So God is a faith God. And to really please him, we've got to learn his language. We've got to learn his language. Uh, I know that we're going down to Nicaragua again, June the 5th of 2018. And I still don't know Spanish yet. You know, I, I, Henry goes with me and knows it, but I'll tell you. Henry can navigate through Spanish-speaking places easier than I can because he can speak their language. And so I know that uh, in the language of faith, when we're born again, we're new creatures in Christ. And our citizenship, that the Bible says, is in heaven, but we live on earth temporarily. We are foreigners on earth, 
but our citizenship is heaven. How many know the Bible says that? Says that we, says, says that our, our home country is heaven. We're just visitors. As a matter of fact, the apostle said, we're just pilgrims and foreigners down here on earth. We're down here for a while. We're there forever. And so, because our citizenship is heaven. Now get this. The Lord gave me this part. I was up here worshiping God a little bit ago. I never saw it this way. And so you know what our first language should be? The language of faith. English or Spanish or any other earthly language should be a second language. The language of faith should be our primary language. He's a faith God. He speaks faith. He responds to faith. He honors faith. I go down to Nicaragua and try to talk to those people that don't know anything about English. And I don't know much about Spanish. All I can do is make signs and try to figure out and hope I hit something. And sad to say... That's how most Christians live. They spout a few things out. They say a few things. And then you ask them how they're doing. They say, I'm just a hoping and praying. I'm just a hoping and praying. Well, that's how I do in Nicaragua. I'm hoping and praying they'll understand what I'm saying. And give me back the right change. Because they give me those big bills of all those things. Uh, they'll say 10000 something on it. And then I'll ask a guy who speaks in and say, man, what's 10000 Oh, that's about 30 cents. I thought, man, I thought I was giving out some big money. Hey, because I don't know the language. Well, see, that's how Christians are. There's people here today, here today, that when I talk about some of those miracles, those people say they uh, talk about, they they just take little things like, well, man, I tell you, I I, I got an infection from a splitter. I'm just a hoping and praying. Well, God healed those bullet holes. He can heal that little pussy finger. Amen. So, some, somebody said, well, 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 I, I, I got allergies. I'm just a hoping and praying. And that man's back got straightened up after 30 years when he spoke the language of faith. That's all I'm telling you. If we will learn to speak our native language, the language of faith, if we'll major on the language of faith, that our English or our Spanish or whatever our second language is, would be much more proficient. Amen. Amen. Are you taking notes and are you listening? Amen. And so he says that, that, that faith pleases God, so we gotta know God's language. And I'm gonna read verse three out of the Amplified Bible. That's not in your notes, so this is one of those you need to write down. And be writing these verses down because they're all gonna help you. But how many know that in the book of Genesis, when God created the heavens and the earth, God said, He's a faith God, so God in faith said, let there be light. It wasn't light yet. It says the earth was dark. And God said, let there be light. As said, and light was. God said, let the oceans fill up with fish. And fish were. Everything that God said, it happened. So that's what verse 3 here is talking about in Hebrews chapter 11. I'm going to read the Amplified Bible. It says, by faith we understand that the worlds during the successive ages were framed, fashioned, put in order, and equipped for their intended purpose by the Word of God. By the Word of God. God wants us to speak His Word that will frame, fashion, put in order our lives and the things around us. And then it says they were put in order by the Word of God so that what we see was not made out of things which are visible. What we see not made out of things which are visible. 
I look at Jesse back there, the guy that healed those bullet wounds. I look at Jeff, got his back straightened up. Healing is in the spiritual arena. You can't see it, but the language of faith will reach in and pull healing out of the spiritual arena and get into somebody's body. I remember on another Wednesday night, had a lady about 60 years old, I think. She wasn't really a seriously hooked up Christian. She was like some of you. She came when she wanted to. She came when she had needs. And when it was all together, somebody said, oh, man, you're be- I'm not being mean. I'm just talking how life is. She came when she came when her life got messed up again. Here she was. She got it together. There she went. And so I'm saying that to say this, how good God is. She came in because life was kind of in a crisis mode again. Her husband just had a heart attack and we did get him healed through faith, believers of faith. And then she was getting ready to have surgery. Had two cataracts on her eyes. Wednesday night, very casual church attender. That doesn't make her a bad person. So I'm not saying you're a bad person if you're a casual church attender. You're just not going to learn the language very well. And so this lady come up here and listen to this. Don't let me lose you now. Listen to me. On a Wednesday night, she came up and stood right about here. And she said, Pastor, said, I'm getting ready to have cataract surgery of both my eyes. Said they're really, really, really messed up. And so I reached out. I reached in, first of all, into the spiritual arena. And I pulled out healing. I touched her head right here, and instantly those cataracts dissolved. Instantly they dissolved. I reached in, I pulled it out in the name of Jesus. And so it says right here that what God did, said he made this world, he didn't say made out of nothing, said he made out of things that your physical eye can't see. God's got everything there is he needs. And so when God, when God speaks words of faith, Things happen that you can see. Two different worlds. How many believe that heaven's a real world? Amen. Amen. Heaven's a real world. When Jesus said there's mansions there, there's real mansions. Book of Revelation says that the tree of life is in heaven. Book of Revelation says that the streets are made out of pure gold. Book of Revelation says the river of life's in heaven. There's a river flowing down through heaven. Well, all those things that you see in heaven... God duplicates on earth. There's rivers on earth. There's trees on earth. There's gold on earth. The original's in heaven. But we get some things on earth that we get to pull out of heaven. And so in our lives, healing is right here. And when you know how to reach in with the language of faith and pull it out, anything can get healed anytime. You know, uh, I'll say it one more time. It's my best testimony of healing that I love. My son, little Davy. He's not little Davy anymore. This is Pastor David, my associate pastor. Three and a half years old, crippled, diagnosed with leukemia. Things didn't look good. With faith, we reached into God's world. We pulled healing out of that world. And that healing that we got out of that world, it was there all the time. We pulled it out, put it in his body. His legs got healed where he wasn't crippled anymore, and his blood got healed. And the doctors did not know what to do about the whole thing. I had a doctor friend at the time that worked with those other doctors in that cancer hospital. And I taught a healing school at a church. And me and this doctor taught it together. And the doctor told me they had a retreat right after that and said the whole weekend retreat was about that samples kid. They tried to figure out what to do about him because his case did not fit the books. They didn't know what to do with the books. Amen. Why is that? 
Faith reached into God's world, which is supposed to be our first world, and pulled it out, got it into his body. Somebody shout for Jesus, man. I want somebody to get excited about this. Okay, I want to give you two more verses. Write these down. I'm not going to turn to them, but write these down. How many here think you're fairly serious about being students of God's word? Amen. If you're serious about being students of God's word, write these verses down. Then you look out of your own eyes when you get home. Ephesians 5.1. Ephesians 5.1 says that we're supposed to be followers. And if you've got a New Living Translation or something else, it says imitators. It says we're supposed to be imitators of God as dear children. We're supposed to imitate God as dear children. How did God put the world together? Words. He spoke words and he put it together. Genesis chapter 1. Read it sometime. And I haven't done it lately, but every time it says that God said, and it was. And God said, and it was. Put a red circle around it and do something. Every time God said, it says, God said, and it was. God said, and it was. God said, and it was. And we're supposed to be imitators of God. We're supposed to imitate. We're his, we're his sons and daughters. We're supposed to do what our dad does. He showed us how to live by faith, and faith pleases him. We speak his language, it pleases him. I'm thinking about a guy that he's a pastor in Nicaragua. I've been we talked back and forth by by a messenger on the Facebook messenger thing. As today's Pastor Juan. How many people went to Nicaragua? Remember Pastor Juan? Remember how much he hung out with me? Well, we talk we talk all the time on there now. And praise God, we talk because he can speak my language. I can't speak his. He speaks English, but it 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 just pleases him so much when I would learn a Spanish phrase or word because I'm starting to speak his language. And when we begin to speak faith, it says it pleases God speaking his language. Now, I want to give you another verse to write down. Write these verses down, please. This is not a Bible school. It's a little bit like a Bible school. And so in Bible school, you take notes, you want to pass the test. And how many know the tests come every day? Open book test. You can open the book and read it and pass the test. Romans 4, 17. Write this down. Romans chapter 4, verse 17 talks about Abraham, says who's the father of our faith, talks about Abraham, how he pleased God, said Abraham, like God, called those things that be not as though they were. Called, called those things that be not as though they were. That means you need to start talking about things how God talks about things. God has no sickness in heaven. And so if you want to draw something out of heaven, you're not going to draw sickness, you're going to draw health, so you need to talk health. God has no poverty and lack and broke in heaven. I like what I heard Jesse Duplantis say years ago. He say, Lord, just give me a little trailer in the back of the lot. But God says, I can't give you a trailer in the back of the lot. I don't have any. All I got is mansions. So we don't need to be talking busted, disgusted, can't be trusted. We don't need to be talking broke. Don't need to be talking poor. Some of those things might be facts in the natural. But in God's world, where we want to pull things out of, that's not facts. God says, pull out abundance. Pull out the raises you need. Pull out what you need into your world and change that poor into more than enough. Change that broke into having no lack. Change that 
the lack and poverty into abundance. Change that. He says, how do you do that? How did God change dark into light? He said, let there be light. God didn't say, what have I done? That whole place is dark. I can't believe that I created this thing. And now it's all dark. What am I going to do? Oh, it's so dark. Well, that's so depressing. It's dark. I'm in heaven. And it's all light up here. But that earth I created is all dark. Oh, it's dark. I'm going to quit. This don't work. God looked at dark and God said, light. Get in there now. I don't want dark. I want light. If you're going to call those things be not as though they were. If you're going to imitate God as a dear son or daughter. You've got to start finding out what his word has to say and start changing what you're saying. Man, if you don't want sick, quit talking sick. If you don't want a family split up, if you don't want kids that are rebellious, quit calling them that. What do you call them? Well, do what my wife did. Man, get Isaiah 54 into you. Get Isaiah 54 says, all your children shall be disciples taught of the Lord. Start calling your children saved. Start calling your children disciples taught of the Lord. Well, I'll throw one out there that I throw out every once in a while. I never talk this way, but I don't know if they still do or not because I usually stay about 20 years behind the latest lingo. Uh, rug rats. I don't like rats. I especially wouldn't want a rat on my rug. So why would I call my child a rug rat? Oh boy. I guess that must still be around. I saw some red faces, so it must still be around. I call my children blessed with what I call them. All right, Second Corinthians 4.13. Second Corinthians 4.13. <laughs> and you know, the things I say up here, I don't, I don't try to be funny or make little jokes. I just look at all the people that God sends that I get to influence with the Word of God, and I don't like them losing I don't like people being sick and in hospitals and places all the time. I don't like sending little babies and children sick. I don't like to see homes broke up. I don't like to have to go to jails and places and visit people and get in trouble. I'd rather see people stay out of trouble and be blessed. That's why I say the things I do. And sometimes when I'm talking, things may come out in a kind of a crude way. But the whole thing is I want to get your attention so you can get a hold of what God wants to say. So you can avoid a lot of places that the devil has designed for you that God says, no, that's not my best. I don't want you going down that road. I want your family healed. I want your family together. I want you to have a good job. I want you to have a good car. I want your family to get together instead of fighting each other, get together, just talk about what Jesus is doing. That's what I want for your family. Amen. And so that's the whole goal. That's, that's this pastor's heart is that. Second Corinthians 4.13 says this, talking about believers. We having the same spirit of faith. The spirit of faith is talking about an attitude. Do they still do pep rallies at schools? I mean, I went to school back in the 50s and 60s. We used to have a thing that every, every Friday during the basketball and football season, when we had a home game, they'd all come together, bring us down to the gym for part of the day. They called it a pep rally. And they say things like, we got the spirit. They got us all pumped up and got us excited. You laughing, Dave. Hey, man, I just made you look good. You're laughing at me. Why are you laughing? Oh, Henry's laughing. Okay, okay. That's okay. Henry can laugh if he wants to use my interpreter in Nicaragua. And I don't want to, I don't, I don't want to offend him. He might not interpret right. He might tell something funny about me in Nicaragua. They all laugh and say, Henry, did you tell him? Yeah, I told him, Pastor. 
No, we did pep rallies and we had, we, and they say we've got the spirit. Well, we're not talking about spirits. We're talking about we got the attitude. We're pumped. We're excited, man. Our team's going to win this thing. We got the spirit. Well, Paul said we've got the same spirit of faith. You know what? Faith is an attitude. When you've got faith, you're excited. When you're a person of faith and you're, and you're, and you're walking in faith, you come up here and this people sit under the word for any length of time at all. They come up and they say, Pastor, I just want you to grip me. I've already got it, but you're my pastor and I want you to notice you took over me in faith. I went to the doctor this week and the doctor said, I've got this, 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 and this. And the doctor said, I got six months to live. <laughs> but the word of God says, the word of God says, Pastor, call for the elders of the church and let the elders anoint the sick with oil in the name of the Lord. And the prayer of faith will raise them up. And they committed sins and be forgiven them. So <laughs> the devil said six months, but God said Psalm 91, 16, long life. And I'm only 50 years old, Pastor. That's not long yet. I say, that's right. And so that's the spirit of faith. Spirit of faith didn't come up. And, Pastor, I know what the Bible says, but. Well, I know the Bible, and I know that God did that for, for that copy boy. And I know he did that for that, that guy who used to be a gangster. But, Pastor, I've went to church all my life. It might be your problem right there if you went to the wrong kind of church. That might be the problem. <laughs> and pastor, I'm not, I'm not ready to die, but six months, that's not the spirit of faith. That's the spirit of doubt. That's the spirit of unbelief. That's the spirit of a whiner. Oh boy, I better get back here, man. I got some faces now. Woo! He says, we have the same spirit of faith. According as is written, I believed, and therefore have I spoken. The spirit of faith always has a good report. The spirit of faith always has victory in it. The spirit of faith always believes what God said over natural circumstances. It says, because I believe is spoken, we also believe, and therefore speak. We also believe and therefore speak. Faith has a voice. Faith has a voice. If you want victory in your life, you must learn the language of faith. If you want victory in your life, you must learn the language of faith. And let me tell you something about the language of faith. When you learn the language of faith, that doesn't mean you'll never have any more problems. That means when problems knock, no matter whether they're health problems, family problems, job problems, money problems, kid problems, whatever they are, faith always has the right answer. And I think about what Jesse did. Jesse got that hit. He ran around the home plate. When problems knock and faith answers, you clear the bases. You're going to keep on going. If you don't hit it out of the park, at least you could run around the bases and make home plate. Write that down for Mrs. Pastor. I like that one. That's, that's a nugget. I like that one. I said, if you don't hit it out of the park, 
At least you won't get stopped a second. You'll clear the bases. Amen. And so what difference does it make if you get a miracle or you receive your healing within a few days? You're after the end results. Praise God for the ones that get us standing right here in line. But it's just as good when they come back two weeks later. As a matter of fact, uh, where's Maxine? There's Maxine. Maxine. What happened with Maxine about, I think about a month ago, uh, I was teaching on, I think about acting on the word, you know, do something you couldn't do. And Maxine, a couple weeks later, I think it was, told us that she had lots of things wrong with her. She had to park in the handicapped spot, couldn't hardly walk, walk her, just all kinds of things going on. And she said that what I taught, that if you believe you received, do something you couldn't do. She said she'd begin to pull up into the handicapped spot. She thought, wait a minute. I believe I'm healed. The Word of God says I'm healed. I believe I'm healed. I don't have to park here anymore. But she was still hurting. But she was still hurting. So she pulled back to a different part of the parking lot, parked her car, got out, and as she walked, she was healed. Walked into the church, not using her walker anymore. She's healed. Amen. You know, we believe and we speak. What, what you believe is what you're speaking. And Jesus said in Mark eleven twenty three, what you're speaking is what you're having. The language of faith begins to speak what God says. Mark another verse down. I'll get another verse for you. Romans chapter 12, verse 2. Romans 12, verse 2. says, be not conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. It says, be transformed by the renewing of your mind. You've got to change your thinking. And so, uh, I've been preaching since the early 80s. And so I know that I watch sometimes videos of people preach back then, and a lot of things have changed since then. So a lot of examples that were good back then aren't good examples now. So I prayed this morning. I said, Lord, give me a nice modern example for this verse. My old stuff don't work because I didn't really have much computer stuff back then. And so I knew that uh, I'd come up with something different. So the Lord gave me a good one this morning. How many here have a smartphone? Sometimes I think they all call them dumb phones. But anyway... Sometimes mine don't seem too smart, but maybe it's the operator. But anyway, (laughs) anyway, get this now. If you're going to learn the language of faith, just act like you're looking at your phone. You know they got the little things on the front called apps? Okay, sometimes you got some apps that are bad apps that you really shouldn't have on there. And sometimes you want better apps. So what do you have to do if you want to get rid of the apps you don't want? You You hold it down, the little X comes up there. And then when a little X comes up there, you push the X and says, do you really want to delete this app? And I know what I say, but I do. Well, yes, <laughs> I don't want this one anymore. I get rid of it. Okay. When we were born again, we had an app that talked the language of the world. Our mind was programmed. All we could talk, uh, he, he said, he said in De- uh, Deuteronomy uh, 30, 19, sit before you death, life and death, blessed and cursed, and therefore choose life. All we knew to talk was the curse. All we needed to talk was broke, bad luck. How many ever use that word luck? Hey man, I used to use. I haven't used luck since I've been a Christian. But I learned out man, luck's of the devil. Blessings from God, so I don't talk luck. Anyway, my other app I had before I got born again, all that was on my app on my on my, on my headphone, all that was on my app was broke, 
sick, nothing good could happen. If it's going to be bad, it'll happen to me. If somebody's going to get sick, it'll be me. If somebody's going to get laid off the job, it'll be me. If somebody's going to get the job, it sure won't be me. Somebody else is. Everybody else is more qualified. Everybody else got more experience. That's, well, they, well, they know the boss's son. Well, the boss's daughter goes with him. All that kind of stuff was if nothing would work. Well, Romans 12, 2 says, delete that app. Now you need to put a real Bible app on. The only way you're going to put a Bible app on is do what he said. It says, have your mind renewed with the Word of God. And so, now here's another one the Lord gave me. It's really good. I, I, I like these things. I get the fresh stuff. My kids laugh at me about technology and stuff. But uh, not laughing anymore, are you? I'm getting some. Hey, how many, how many, I don't know why iPhone does this stupid stuff. But they do. They change their spell checks and stuff. Or all of a sudden, spell check I used to be happy with. And they did something to it within the last year. Is this happening by besides me? You you're sending something that looked perfect. And you sent it. And then you looked at it after you sent it. And it changed two or three words. Like, oh, wow, glory to God. No, I didn't say that. <laughs> and especially if you're sending it to a preacher. Say, whoa, 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 real quick. Get that back. No, hey, I didn't say that. It changed it. I, I put on the goofy spell check. But I guess you can't delete it after you said it. And so, listen to this. As you're learning the language of faith, you got to have speak check programmed into you. And what I mean by speak check, as you're learning the language of faith, if you're starting to say something, they say, whoa, you got to real quick stop and say, whoa, whoa, no, 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 that's not coming out. We're going to, we're going to, we're going to scripture check this. Amen. Uh, let, let me give you an example. Uh, uh, I, Al yesterday heard me say something about me. used to be a truck driver. I, I drove big trucks for 28 years. A lot of years I drove semis. And uh, had, to, had to unload a lot of semis. And how many of you have ever seen a truck driver, or you've seen them, they got a big door in the back that goes up and down. You have to open that big door. Those doors are heavy. Well, back in the early 80s, they changed the latches they put on those doors. And I remember I had a new latch. I figured out what I went to do it. It went that way instead of up and down. And it smashed my finger, that finger right there, right on my fingernail. And when it did, there was a guy standing there beside me. I think it really smashed me good. He said, oh, you're going to get a figure it out and lose out like that. I said, man, that's the first time I ever did that. And as soon as I said that first time, I knew I spoke the wrong language. I don't want a second time. I said, that's the first time. Oh, Lord, forgive me. No, 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 no. I thank you, Lord, for healing like that. Well, a few months later, after the thing got healed, I did it again. I said, well, there's the second time, but I didn't speak it this time. I kept, I put a, put a scripture check on me. I said, that's the last time. It never happened again. But the whole thing was, Jesus said, we have what we say. And so I had to check myself. You know what I would never say? If I was a young person and I got into a fender bender, I'd never say, well, that's my first accident. You know what I mean? I'm saying, okay, I'm going to have a second. I'd never say that. If I, if I ever, if I ever got fired off of a job as a, as a young believer, I'd just say, well, that's the first time I ever got fired. You're programming your life. Somebody said, I don't know what's going on here right now. I, I'm just kind of dizzy. Well, that's kind of how I was in Nicaragua. 
I heard all these people speaking that language down there. Said, but I have no idea what they're talking about. Some of you right now, when I'm saying these things, you're thinking, I have no idea what he's talking about. That's because you don't speak this language yet. When you begin to speak this language, you're going to say things like Leah says. Uh, Leah, Leah will send me a thing. Said, Pastor, I'm not going to be able to come tonight. We're receiving healing. You know what that is? That's saying sickness attacked. We've prayed and healing's working. Somebody said, well, that sounds pretty goofy to me. Well, then that means that your scripture check is not working on your headphone. You need to start checking what you say. If you want a second time, then always say that's the first time that happened. Now, somebody blessed me today, said, Pastor, I want to bless you. It stuck a lot of money in my hand. I said, that's the first time that happened. <laughs> you know what that means? That means it's going to be a second time. Amen. You've got to learn the language of faith. Amen. Amen. All right. And so, and so you need to delete some apps. You need to get the right app put on your spirit, man, and on your mind. All right. Now look at Proverbs chapter 10, verse 19. And I say in the name of Jesus, there's a multitude of people here today getting help. Amen. And you know, you know how we change, you know how we change our community? One person at a time. And I know that starts with me. And that starts with you. And so as we change who we are in Christ and begin to walk more life with the Word of God, we'll start changing our families. We'll change our place of employment. We'll change our city. And then we'll change California. It's about believers across California doing what they're supposed to be doing. Praise God. Let this start be called the glory state. Forget that golden state. Let's be the glory state. Amen. Let God's glory come down. Proverbs 10:19 says this. In the multitude of words, in the multitude of words, there wanteth not sin. But he that refraineth or restrains his lips is wise. He that restrains his lips is wise. And so, I've preached this for years. But I don't think I've ever put it on a piece of paper before. Before you learn the language of faith, you must master the language of silence. Before you can learn the language of faith, you must master the language of silence. Said the multitude of words, there wanteth not sin. You know what I've always noticed? Ah, here I go messing with people again. I can't help it. It's in my pastor's nature. My pastor's nature is supposed to provoke you and get you upset. So you examine yourself and want to change. I've always noticed this. I'm not thinking of anybody, so if this applies to you, just keep a straight face and nobody around you knows talking about you. Just, if you want to, just quietly say, Amen. Or if a bunch of them do it, then you shout too and they won't know you're on that side. But I've always noticed this. You know what it says of the multitude of words? That means somebody that talks a lot. I've always noticed that backsliders and lukewarm Christians, when I cross their path at Walmart, when I cross their path at somewhere in town, they start going like that a whole lot. They just talk and talk and talk, yak, 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 yak. And I think they're trying to cover up for where they are 
because they feel convicted because they come into the presence of a man of God. They try to out-talk me. And so I just restrain my lips because I want to be wise. It says you strain your lips, you're wise. And I've noticed, I didn't even think about that time I preached it. I mean, that's, not, that's just right now as I'm talking. I'm just realizing that, that people that are unhooked from God try to talk so much they think that you won't know it. People that don't know anything talk a lot. People that know a lot stay quiet a lot because they've learned the language of faith. And they've realized you don't have to be talking all the time. Uh, I heard a man say years ago about this verse that you show me a person that talks a lot and I'll show you a person that sins a lot. It says that of all two the words are one that's not sin. So it says that most of the time while you're talking like that, unless you've learned the language of faith, most of the time while you're talking, you're saying things that are doubt, unbelief, totally not in line with the Word of God, not pleasing God. So that's why it says if you're talking a lot, you're sinning a lot. Till you learn the language of faith. Amen. That really got quiet here. I wish I hadn't said all that, man. I really stepped. Man, I'll tell you what, I hit a vein on that one. Amen. And Jesus in Mark eleven twenty three. Mark this down. Mark eleven twenty three. Jesus said, you're going to have what you say. And James 3, 2. Write this down. I thought James chapter 3 was what I was going to teach after. That's where I started, but I never got to put anything down to that. It would do you really well to study James chapter 3. But James chapter 3, verse 2, James said, your words control your body. Your words control your body. And James gave the example of a big ship. Have you ever seen these great big giant ships? He said, a little rudder, a little rudder that that pilot or captain turns that little wheel, controls that whole ship. It says the little rudder controls the whole ship. And then he also gave an example, James chapter 3, of a horse. If you want to see some big horses, go look at Mrs. Pastor's horses on the other side of the administration building. She's got two pretty big Arabians over there. I think they're big. They're bigger than I want to be. I fell off one one time. That's another day. won't tell about that one. But anyway, he said, you control a big horse by a little bridle. Says you put a bridle in a horse's mouth and you can turn the whole horse wherever you want it to go. And so in James chapter 3, he said that you need to bridle your tongue like you bridle a horse if you want to control your life. Said your tongue will control your life. And so you need to learn the language of silence. Proverbs 21, 23, while we're here, I want to look at one more Proverbs. Matter of fact, Proverbs is loaded with these. Pastor Dave taught on this a while back and looked a lot of these Proverbs scriptures on mouth. But when I first got saved, I guess my name must have been Ralph Mouth because, <laughs> because when I first got saved for the first six months, probably the Lord kept me in the book of Proverbs and showed me every mouth scripture there was. And I realized he's talking about me. <laughs> and so I had to learn how to talk different. And so, after I got saved, man, I didn't say anything about anything to anybody. I mean, I was Mr. Silent because I realized I just came from Centerville. I just crossed the line and deceived in heavenly places in Christ, but I'm still on earth. And I've learned that heaven don't talk like I talked for all those years. So I had to learn to keep this shut. So basically, when I was around my family and unsaved friends and stuff like that, man, all they got was Mr. Silent. All I could say, yeah, nope, yep, 
Nope. Yeah. I didn't know how to talk yet. So I just didn't talk. Proverbs 21, 23 says, Whoso keeps or guards his mouth and his tongue keeps his soul from troubles. It says you learn to guard your words. Then you're going to keep your life from a lot of troubles. So until you master the language of silence, your own mouth can bring a lot of trouble your way. Amen. And somebody just sitting there thinking, I wish he'd shut up. See, that proves it right there. You don't want to shut up the man of God when he's stepping on your toes. You want to hear it. Master the language of silence because your mouth will be your own worst enemy. Your mouth will be your own worst enemy. Now I want to go to Matthew chapter 8. And this is a real life example of a whole lot of what we're talking about. This, this will just show some things that help you understand how this works in everyday life. Matthew chapter 8 is one of my favorite uh, New Testament chapters on healing, how it works. But anyway, Matthew chapter 8, verse 5, says, And when Jesus was entered to Capernaum, there came to him a centurion beseeching him. So a centurion's a Roman soldier. He's an army officer. He, he had he a had hundred men under him that he had to, you know, all these soldiers know, the, know how it works. He had a hundred guys that had to listen to him. But he had people over him he had to listen to, too. So he had these hundred guys under him. And he said in verse 6, he's talking to Jesus. He said, Lord, my servant lieth at home, sick of the palsy, grievously tormented. He said, my servant's at home, and he's paralyzed. And so he went straight to the only person that could do anything about the condition. That is, obviously, God was more than a servant. He had to be a friend, too. The only guy that could help him. And so... He identified the problem. Jesus, my friend, my servant is paralyzed. And what you notice in verse 7, And Jesus saith unto him, I will come and heal him. He didn't even ask for healing. He said, Jesus got a problem. He said, my servant is paralyzed. And Jesus didn't want to dissect his life and say, Well, I'll tell you what. He's been into sexual sin. He doesn't tithe. He always uses my name in vain. All Jesus said, hey man, I want him healed. I'll come and heal him. Hebrews 13.8, write it down. Hebrews 13.8 says, Jesus Christ the same yesterday and today and forever. So basically what he said, let's get him healed. Then we'll work on his soul. But let's get him healed first. And so, Jesus Christ did the same yesterday, day, and forever. So, when you bring a sick person to Jesus' day, he's going to say the same thing. I'm going to come and heal him. I'm going to come and heal you. He hasn't changed. And so, Jesus answered to you, if you're in here today, we're going to have an altar call in a little bit. If you need healing today, we've had a lot of good testimonies, stirred your faith. But I'll tell you what, if you need heal today, Jesus will heal you today. He hasn't changed. And so then verse 8, verse 8, this man had learned what faith was all about. And so he spoke Jesus' language, the language of faith. The centurion answered and said, Lord, I'm not worthy that you should come under my roof. But look at this. Speak the word only. Speak the word only. 
Speak the word only, and my servant shall be healed. Speak the word only, and my servant shall be healed. And so what that means is this. That's the language of faith. Faith doesn't deny things. Faith-filled words changes things. Faith doesn't deny things. Faith-filled words change things. You notice the man identified the problem. He said, my servant is paralyzed. He identified the problem, but then he didn't stop there. He said, when you speak the word, that takes care of the problem. I want to stop so this will sink in. He said, when you speak the word, problem solved. Amen. Amen. And so faith changes things. I want to say this again that I've said so many times. Faith doesn't deny things. Faith changes things. He did not deny that he had a problem. But he denied the problem of right to stay there. Amen. And so anyway, the spoken word will change things. And that's how it should be. Now I want you to notice verse 9 then. And he told why he understood the language of faith. This is so critical that you get this. Don't clock out now. Don't check out now. Listen closely. The soldier said, the officer said, I'm a man under authority. How many military people do we have know what it means to be under authority? I'll tell you what, I've been around my sons-in-law since the army before. Some of the places I visited them. And when you're, when you're, when you're, when you're under authority, it's not like, it's not like being on your job out here in Barstow. You don't call in on Saturday. And say, hey, guess what, Sarge? <laughs> My family's in out of town, and I'm not coming in today. I don't, I don't know what Sarge would do, but I know I've been around my family members in the military, and we're there visiting. They don't care if we came all the way from California to Alaska. If they got them on march in 20 days, they march 20 days. They don't get to come home and say hi to me. I've seen it too many times. When they're under authority, I don't know what authority to do if they called in sick, because I've seen them have to go in sick. And they couldn't call in sick. They had to go in whether they felt like it or not. And so this soldier, now listen to this. He's showing you why he understood the language of faith. And boy, I hope you're taking some good notes on this. I'm getting ready to put some real nuggets out there. He said, I'm a man under authority, having soldiers under me. And I say to them, number one, do you see what he said? He's under authority himself first. And then he said, I've got soldiers under me. So I've got authority. And I say to this man, go, and he goeth, and another come, and he cometh to my servant, do this, and he doeth it. And so what you, what you notice there, this officer understood the language of faith because he understood authority. He submitted to the authority of his senior officers, and he obeyed their commands. And those under him obeyed his words. Now listen to this. Listen to this. Who's he talking to? He's talking to Jesus. He's talking to Jesus, and Jesus already told him, hey, I'll come back to your house and get that guy healed. Jesus, and the guy says, no, you don't have to. Just speak the word. It's a done deal. You speak the word, and it's taken care of. And so this man had heard how Jesus spoke to the wind, and the wind stopped. How remember that? He's on the boat. And he spoke to the wind, said the wind, wind ceased. He spoke to the sea, and the waves were calmed. He walked in authority. He spoke to demons, and demons came out. He spoke to sickness, deaf ears, blind eyes, crippled people. They saw, they talked, they heard, they walked. He saw how that authority worked. He spoke to death, 
And dead people got up. This man said, I recognize in your words, there's authority. Said, you don't have to show up. I don't need any goosebumps. I don't need two hours of worship. He said, all you have to do, Jesus, you speak the word and my servant will be healed. Why is that? Because he saw the wind obeyed him, demons obeyed him, sickness obeyed him, dead people obeyed him. Everything he talked to, they obeyed. So he said, I've got this thing, Jesus. You're the living word and when you speak, things happen. Is that sinking in? And so then Jesus said, Jesus then said in verse 10, when Jesus heard it, he marveled and said to them that followed, Verily I say unto you, I have not found so great faith, no, not in Israel. Jesus said, this man has great faith. He understands the authority in back of the word of God. When you speak the word of God in faith, everything has to obey. Everything has to obey. I got some good stuff to finish up on here. Jesus called it great faith, but I got an example. I got to tell you how this works. I'm a son of God because I've been born again by the blood of Jesus. Your sons and daughters of God because you've been born again. When I was a baby pastor back in Indiana, we don't have much earthquakes, don't have any hurricanes, but there are tornadoes there. And I was a baby pastor just been pastor in two or three months back in the early 90s. And Sunday afternoon, after we had our Sunday morning service, that I would rest and get ready for Sunday night. I was laying in my bed taking a nap on a Sunday afternoon, and I got a phone call. Who was it from? I was either from up north or somewhere. Anyway, I can't remember who called. Somebody called and said, hey, you better take cover. There's a, got the news on the tornado coming your way. I said, okay. Then I got another phone call. I said, hey, man, that tornado is showing right there, man. It's coming your way. And all I thought about was I didn't want my sleep messed up or my woods hit. I had orchard woods stuff around our house. I didn't want that messed with. I didn't want anybody to bother me because I wanted to go to church or preach, man. I was a baby pastor. I wanted to get there and preach that night. And so all I did was I looked up and I pointed my finger out the window. I said, tornado in the name of Jesus. You're not going to touch my property. Now, I'm going to show you something about our words. Absolute true story. That tornado came up to the bottom of my road. It took out all the woods all around my house. It took out houses and farms all around me. It followed the river called White River all the way up to Indianapolis. took out a big section of Indianapolis for about... I kept probably, probably close to a hundred miles. It was one of the worst tornadoes ever hit that part of the state. Took everything out of its path. We couldn't go to, we had, we were probably one mile from my church. We had to drive up to Indianapolis to get to the church. It took everything out along the river. We had to drive all the way from our town 30 miles south of Indianapolis up to Indianapolis before we find a bridge open across the river to come to church that night. But now, here's the bad part. The Lord spoke to me very plain. I think it may have been the next day. 
said, why didn't you spare all these other people? He said, why were you so selfish? Just protected your house. All I told that tornado is, you're not going to touch my place. And it didn't get me, but it sure got hundreds and thousands of others. So I learned after that, I learned after that, whenever something like that tries to come to my region, I say, devil, in the name of Jesus, your tornado, or whatever it is trying to happen, I say, you're not going to get me or anybody in my realm of influence. I say, in the name of Jesus, the high desert's protected. In the name of Jesus, all my neighbors, all the people in my area, they're protected. If it were a tornado, I learned what to do. I said, tornado, you just go back up. And you spread out. It's just good weather. And it worked after that. But so what I'm telling you is what we've got, I learned the language of faith. I stopped it. See, I stopped it as a baby pastor for getting me, but I could have stopped it from getting the whole area. So we close John 15, verse 7 and 8. John 15, verse 7 and 8. I sure hope that you're getting something out of this that will help you in life. John 15, verse 7 and 8. This is the only way to become proficient in the language of faith. If you abide in me and my words, my words, that's the Bible, abide in you, you shall ask what you will, and it shall be done unto you. Here is my Father glorified that you bear much fruit, so shall you be my disciples. And so he said, if you abide in me, that means you're born again. And if God's word lives in you, if God's word lives in you, then God's word's going to come out of you. And when God's word comes out of you, you're speaking God's language, the language of faith. When you speak the language of faith, he said, you ask what you will shall be done unto you. Leukemia leaves little bodies. Tornadoes go back up. Bank accounts get in the black again. Your job gives you enough hours. You get the car you want. Your family gets restored. Things begin to happen. And so this is the challenge to you. We have some cards back on the information booth that says never again. On these never again cards, there's verses and things that show you how to speak the Word of God and get it in your heart. So get God's Word into your heart. Learn the language of silence. Keep your mouth shut unless you're talking faith. As you begin to speak faith, whatever it is in your life that needs changed, your faith will change it because your faith will please God. And when God's pleased, God shows up. Amen, amen, amen. Let's stand up. Thank you for listening to this podcast. For more information, visit hdwc.org.